Y'all, guess what I did the other day? Hang out with a fashionista? You could say that. (laughs) So the other day I was part of an event put on by Inforum at the Commonwealth Club with Queer Eyes, fashion guru. Yes. Tan France. Oh. (laughs) Oh my God. A month ago, I got an email in my inbox from a PR person saying that they were putting on this event. I thought they were just inviting me to it. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. Of course I will. And they said, it's at the Castro Theater in front of 1,400 people. And it's with Tan. And he hand-selected you to be the moderator slash interviewer. This is some Willy Wonka shit. You've officially made it, my friend. I wanted to delete the email and never speak of it to anyone (laughs) because my anxiety was through the roof. I was like, no one has to know that I said no to this opportunity. But I forced but my hand. You will know forever. <gasps> right. So I forced my hand to reply all and say, yas. Mm-hmm. So I said, yas. Way to take Shonda's advice. Mm-hmm. It's the year of yas. <laughs> it's and, yas and. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so I was on stage with Tan for almost two hours. That's in front of bonkers. How many people again? 1,400 people. <laughs> still sweating. Uh, was the house sold out? Yes or no? It was. Oh. Well, thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> And we talked about deep topics like what it was like growing up gay in a Muslim South Asian traditional family, how 9-11 still affects Tan's life to this day, and shallow topics like how he partied with Victoria Beckham. Oh, my God. (laughs) Why he hates the Olive Garden. What? And whether he loves NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys more. Oh, you would find a way to sneak in the Spice Girls and NSYNC. I mean, monster hates unlimited breadsticks. (laughs) There is a quote in this episode, which you will not believe. It has to do with a breadstick and an ungodly act. Oh, let's just say that. Wow. So without further ado, here are the best bits of my conversation with Tan France. Hello. (laughs) Hi. Who's this? You want to say hi? Say hi. Um, okay, so this is the first time I'm ever saying this publicly. Uh, I'm a father. <laughs> Say hi. Say hi, baby, baby girl Imogene. Hi. Her name is Imogene. We've kept it secret for a long time, and now she's here to say hi. You're here to say hi. You gonna join me for this? Yeah? Okay, let's do this. I would like to welcome to the stage Emmanuel, who will be interviewing me tonight. Come on, Emmanuel. Uh Hi, Emmanuel. Hi. Hi. I'm not a baby, but still kind of cute. I don't know. So cute, but nobody's cuter than this little one. No one. Exclusive. Exclusive. But what's also exclusive is this is all a lie. This is my friend's baby. Where are you, (laughs) Tana? Yes, he just did that. And you posted it to Instagram. You shouldn't have. I want a baby so bad. You want a baby so bad. You want six, but you're probably going to have four. Okay, here's the thing. I, I truly do want six. I legit want six. Did, I, did you know that my home, husband's a former Mormon? They have a lot of babies. And so I really, really, really wanted six. Um, but he's insisting we can only have four. However, if you know me from the show... You know me, I'm, you know I'm very convincing. And so we're gonna get to four, and then by the time we hit four, I'm gonna have another two. He's not gonna stop me. He can't stop me. Where's he going? He can't stop me. You've convinced people to wear crop tops, belts. Yes. You will convince your baby I've daddy to have the six. the world French tucking. He will have, <laughs> he will be the father of my final two children. If not, I will find another man. Oh, <laughs> he might be here tonight. 
because this is one of the gayest places ever. Who got? (laughs) That one. I think that one. Oh. We'll have a contest at the end of the show. Okay, so let's, you're a star now, and we're in San Francisco now, but 5,000 miles away and decades in the past. Yeah. South Yorkshire, baby tan, used to have curls. Still have curls, yes. You just blow them out. I blow them into submission, yes. It takes four minutes. He has a YouTube tutorial if you want to learn. Subscribe to his channel. Yeah. So what were you like as a kid? I was a a nice boy. I was a sweet boy. I was a well-behaved boy, but I was a troubled boy. When you are a person of color in a very small town with very few people of color, there were seven other people of color in my school. That's nothing. And you guys, most of you, I'm assuming, live in San Francisco. It's so nice to see a, a more diverse mix. But imagine for a moment you're in a small town and you, there are only six other people that kind of look a bit like you in your school. It's super intimidating. Imagine your child go, walking to school and thinking, how hyper aware they are of their color because somebody is going to try and beat the shit out of them purely because they're brown. That legitimately was my fight every day, my siblings' fights every day. That's a sorry thing to know, a sad thing to know at five, that somebody who's in his late teens, early 20s, will actually kick the shit out of me because I'm brown. And so I was a very quiet kid because I was worried to speak up because somebody might hit me. I was a very gay child. It was very clear I was gay, but I already had too much to handle. I already had so much to focus on, which was to focus on being brown. Like that was my biggest hurdle that I needed to conquer when I was a kid. I didn't even have the bandwidth to, to know how to try and add in gay. So that was my that was my childhood i was doing everything i could to try and make sure that i wasn't beaten every day um and if you've got family members or people in your community that you know are fuckwits and they are racist or homophobic speak out tell if they say something that's negative that's offensive that's racist don't just be like well that's granddad no granddad granddad can be a dick too like he really can um, and so, and I'm not saying be aggressive. There's no reason to be aggressive. I learned from a very early age, aggression is not the way we win them over. We win them over by having conversations with them. And there's a, 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 a part in the book that I only read once after I wrote it to record the audiobook, And we had to do so many takes because I, I, it was just so painful to read where these bullies, we were, I was nine and these people were in their mid to late teens, early twenties, and they, they got us. And I remember you saying that your parents had to watch you from the window if you were crossing the street to go to the corner store. And in this specific incident, you said that the look in your father's eyes is something you had never seen before. Never seen before. Pure terror. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about like the onus being on allies mm-hmm. to do the educating so it's not yeah. always on minorities is yeah. so important. Yeah, so important. People... The, uh, we're so badly perceived or represented in the media. People don't want to listen to us. You're more willing to listen to somebody who looks like you, who's part of your community, than you are to listen to me. So there obviously is racism and prejudice coming from outside of your own community, but you also write about how there is colorism within the South Asian community that you also had to yes. grapple with. Let me say this. If there's any press here who work for one of those f-ing trashy magazines, like the National Enquirer, I am a very kind and loving person, but what I will say is go f*** yourself. Um, I, 
there's some people that really can just go f themselves. Um, and, uh, and here's the reason. I wrote this book and I'm so proud of this book and there were so many stories in there that where you really get to know who I am and they latched onto this one thing because they know that it's gonna make me look like a vile, vile person. Uh, and that, that headline was, Tan France bleaches his skin. No, I don't. No, I don't. I did as a kid, and they don't, only later on in these articles, at the very end, they explain why, but they get into it as if I've got a real problem with color. No, let me explain it, and if you, I want you to read the book so you understand. When you are a person of color, color is a real issue. We don't just have people in the Caucasian community who aren't happy with the fact that we have a certain color. It's people in our own communities. Actually, I suffered just as much racism in my, in my own community. Thank you, thank you, my dear. You understand it all too well. Um, we have it in our own community, usually from our own family members who are so concerned that we are too dark. And the concern is that if you are fair-skinned, you will be more successful. You will get a great marriage. You will land a perfect partner. You will do all the things that come with being beautifully pale. And I was always aware of that. So at 10, I, I crumbled under the pressure and that's sad, I'm 10 for goodness sake. The fact that a 10 year old is even worried about the fact that he's got brown skin and that's seen as undesirable is a shocking reality. And so I found a cousin's bleach I used it, and I used it for about a few days. It hurt so bad that I stopped using it. So, no, press, that's not what I do anymore. Don't stop making it sound like I do that anymore. There are reasons why, and I need you to understand, the reasons why people feel so much pressure in, uh, in communities like mine. It's just the media puts so much pressure on us, our communities put so much pressure on us to be as pale and fair as possible, because white is right. No, that's not my, that's not what I say, but that's what they say. We internalize these messages from society, whether you're a person of color and you have colorism like addling your brain or whether you're a gay person and there's this whole mask for mask situation where yeah. to be desirable, you need to be masculine. Yeah. So my question to you is when you knew you were gay, I feel like you didn't have an epiphany like a lot of us no, do. No, I didn't. You were just like... Always I am this, and this is fly? That, that, that awesome, honestly wasn't what I thought. I mean, I wish I was that sassy as a kid. Um, <laughs> I just didn't know anything else. Like, I saw, obviously, heteros everywhere, but I, didn't, I, I just didn't think that was... I knew it wasn't me. I didn't ever think, oh, I'm gay. I just... I didn't know anything else. All I, was, all I ever knew was that I was attracted to men. And when you're watching Bollywood films, you're like, I want to marry him too. <sighs> Do you, right? Have any of you seen a Bollywood movie? I know they seem tacky as shit, but they're so much fun. Um, and I legit used to think as a kid that I was going to be a Bollywood actor. And let me tell you why this was so delusional. Um, uh, I like to believe I was a smart kid, but clearly I was also delusional. And, um, and so Bollywood, you have to be able to dance, you have to be able to act, and you have to be able to read Hindi. I can do none of those things. <laughs> none of those things. But I felt so strongly that I would be such a formidable talent for them that they would excuse all of those things and teach me my lines phonetically. I can't understand why that didn't happen. However, now that I'm in this industry, I'm thinking, who knows what could happen? <laughs> Strangest shit has happened. Who knows? I'm picturing it now. Yeah. A Bollywood star is born, featuring you. You can do the nose tracing scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can have the whole bit. Yeah. Can Henry Cavill be my guy, though? Sure. 
Those pegs? Bradley Cooper's fine, but Henry Cavill's my guy. Yeah, swap him <gasps> in. Ooh, or jo- uh, Michael B. Jordan. Right? Yeah. Let's be real, Tan. You want it to be Shawn Mendes. Don't lie to I'm these people. I'm obsessed with Shawn Mendes. Okay. I told you guys. I know I'm old. I'm old enough to be his f-ing father. I know. I know it's gross. But that bitch is so hot. Like, my God, that is, bitch is so hot. And I've talked about it so much in the press that I'm almost positive that he's put a restraining order against me and I don't know it. Because I keep saying, well, maybe he's going to be at this award show that I'm at. And so he doesn't turn up, but I'm positive he's meant to be there, but he doesn't turn up because he knows f***ing crazy's there. <laughs> but I've got family in the audience. Um, you know how much I love my husband, Rob. We'll get to that later. But I would, just for a minute, like say, hey, Rob, I need you to peace out whilst I yes. take care of some business. So in a previous interview, you mentioned that you don't feel like we, as a society, talk about positive gay relationships that are successful yeah. enough. Yeah. So there's a lot in here about your wonderful marriage. Yeah. And I would love for you to tell the story of your first date with your husband because <gasps> it's equally about the I've romance and equally about like dragging Olive Garden. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's... My favorite chapter in the book. Before I met Rob, I'd had a couple of really long-term relationships and I'd had my heart broken. This dude broke up with me after um, quite some time together. My question for him is, where are you now, bitch? Where are you now? (laughs) You broke my heart so bad. No, it's fine. We're still friends and he's still single, so it's fine. It worked so good for him. It worked so good for him. Um, and so um, I, I, I told myself I'm going to have like a year of celibacy and I was just going to be single um, about a week in <laughs> I was like I'm going to firm my way across America um, and so, no, uh, so I went to Salt Lake because uh, they really like brown boys with English accents. I was like, oh, why travel? Why spend all the money? I can just get them all there. And so, and so I was going to be single for a while. And, uh, and uh, th- my friend put me on this website called Connection. Does anybody remember Connection? Yeah. Oh my God, wasn't it the best? But Connection was like gay Facebook. You wouldn't ever send an inappropriate picture. Like it was, it was actually a really sweet site. And, um, and so, uh, somebody put me on this website, and my husband, he's actually the original France, his name's Rob France, I took his name. And so he reached out and started very simply with, uh, you don't look like you're from around here. And I was like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That was my, that was my response. And apparently he likes to be treated bad, so he was all about it. And, um, and so we chatted for a few days, And I really liked him, really liked him. He was really sweet, but I kept thinking, I can't date you, like I'm meant to be single, and so I can't date you. Um, And so, (laughs) and and so about four days in, he finally convinced me. He was like, listen, we're getting along so well, I I really wanna take you on a date. Okay, you also will and grace obvs, right? Okay, Will and Grace had two friends, Rob and Ellen. Do you remember Rob and Ellen? Frightfully dull, but lovely. And they, and the reason why I know they were frightfully dull is because Will uh, Will and Grace used to make fun of them because they always wanted to go to a place called the Olive Garden. 
And Will and Grace never wanted to go because they said that it's it's a snooze fest, like nothing interesting, most boring place in, uh, in the world, in the world. And so Rob um, was messaging saying, I really want to take you out. I was like, okay, we can go for lunch, non-committal. Um, okay, we'll go for lunch. And I was like, okay, have you heard of something called the Olive Garden? <laughs> Duh, yeah, of course I have. Um, Okay, I would like to go there, please. And um, do you know if there is one in Utah? He was like, it's Utah the f***ing everywhere. I was like, great, that's our version of fine dining, wonderful. And so I was like, yes, I would like to go there, we can go there. Here's the thing, I, I, like, the Olive, I like the Olive Garden. I, well, I like this thing about the Olive Garden. Their breadsticks are f***ing dynamite, like dynamite. And if you had their breadsticks with Alfredo sauce, like, it's so good. Like, f me sideways with that shit. Like, it's so good. Other than that, which is fine. But, like, it's $25 roughly for a meal. Like, you can get better somewhere else. Why are you going to the Olive Garden? Anyway, so here's my favorite thing about the Olive Garden. You walk in. Hi. Can I get a table for two? The response is, sure. Are you celebrating anything today? I'm at the fucking Olive Garden. <laughs> what ailments do I have? What am I mourning today? Ask, lead with those questions. Who the fuck is celebrating at the Olive Garden? It's like going through the fucking McDonald's drive-thru and they say, oh, is it your wedding? Look at you. No, it's the fucking Olive Garden. And so, <laughs> I wanted to, I, I told my friends I wanted to go to the Olive Garden because if this guy can entertain me in what is by all accounts the most boring place on the planet, maybe you're a keeper. Anyway, that bitch entertained me so hard. Um, and so it went so well, we then went on to the second part of the date, which was not meant to happen. We went to see a movie, Bridewards, and then we went up for a coffee, then we went to hang out, I liked him so much. Then he scared the shit out of me four days later, I was about to leave. He came to say goodbye and he cried and he told me he loved me and I was like, holy shit. You're definitely newly gay. Um, yeah. He had no idea how this world worked. Um, anyway, I was like, okay, we're gonna see him again. Um, but he convinced me to see him again. Um, and the rest is history. He's the best person on the planet. I love him so much. I told you, I lose my train of thought a lot. Um, I love you so much. I just wanna listen to you talk at all times. <laughs> no matter what else happens tonight, oh, yeah. I think the headline for me is going to be, I was sideways by a breadstick in I alfredo said, sauce i said me sideways there it is <laughs> breadsticks alfredo that's sauce. the quote print it <laughs> put it on the cover of new york times tomorrow <laughs> i also feel like you could like kind of cover a beyonce song and change the lyric from like take his ass to red lobster to take yeah, his yeah, ass yeah, to yeah. olive yeah, garden yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, i think there's yeah, an opportunity yeah, yeah. there. Yes, absolutely apparently um she was then endorsed by them so hopefully olive garden will just spin this shit and pay me yes or the makers of Alfredo sauce, like his DMs are open. Yeah. Yes. No, here's the thing, I need to make it very clear. Alfredo sauce isn't great anywhere else. It's the Olive Gardens that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> You're really ingratiating yourselves with that brand right now. I honor that. Yeah. So Rob did so well at the Olive Garden that you so guys well. ended up. Can I, uh, can I need go to for make it. a correction. I just said that for effect. Um, he didn't do really well. No. And he will openly admit that it's just the way it is. Actually, I want to tell you a couple of other things about Okay, so a lot of it's in the book, but my favorite thing about it is this. My favorite thing about it is this. So 
We'd been chatting for like four days and um, I want to, uh, let me make this clear, Rob is the best guy on the planet. Don't judge him super harshly with what I'm about to say. For those four days, what I didn't realize is that Rob thought I was Mexican. Yeah. Now, something you should know. He is not racist. He is from Wyoming. He didn't know, you guys. He just didn't know. And he, had, <laughs> and he was thinking, to be fair, he deduced that there was a brown guy in Salt Lake. Why the f*** would a British South Asian man come to Utah? That makes no sense. It made a lot more sense that somebody came up from Mexico and decided to try and shag his way through Utah. Um, and so, yeah, so my husband's racist. Anyway, there you go. There you go. Anyway. And so he married me to be able to say, well, I can't be racist. I married a brown guy. He says it all the time. It drives me insane. So you guys ended up doing long distance for six years. I have a question to quote Kanye West. Houseway, how? Like, LDRs are brutal. Like, how'd you make that work? No, they're not. No, they're not. Okay. When you start dating somebody, shagging is so good. Like, that sex is so f***ing good. Within the first few months, uh, you're like, oh my God, this is the best guy in the world. Like, he does me so right. And then about six months in, you're like, that guy's a Like, he is the worst. How the f*** did I not see that? It's because you were dickmatized. That sex was so good, you didn't realize he's a f***ing tool or she's a f***ing tool. The nice thing with a long distance relationship is that you don't get to have sex with those people. I, all I had, I was living in England, he was living in America. I would see him every six months or three months. But other than that, we had, what, we didn't even FaceTime, we had Skype. And we would Skype every day for hours and hours and hours. So when you take sex out of the equation, all you have is emotion. And it makes for a really, actually can make for a really, really strong relationship. So by the time we actually finally were able to be together full time, permanently, I knew every facet of this boy, every facet of his personality. I knew exactly how to manage any disruption we might have, arguments we have, it made for a much stronger relationship. So, if you're single and you say, well, I can't find anyone great in this town, I moved to the other side of the world to find my hot Mormon dude. And then I continued to FaceTime him every day, I Skype him every day for six years. Believe me, you can commit and you can make it work. There's a way. It's just gonna take some work. And it helps when they say things like, I'm positive you're my person. When I read that in the book, I was like, swoon, what the? I know, he's, God, he's a good man. Yeah, he told me that he was positive I was his person. I was like, yeah, I'll marry you. <laughs> he didn't ask me, I just was like, yeah, man. Actually, do you know what convinced me? It was actually the first date, legit the first date. I don't know if you know what Rob does for work. He, uh, for work. I know on Instagram you'll see that he's an artist, and he is, but he's actually a pediatric nurse. All those ovaries I heard, all of them, for you men as well. Could you imagine somebody telling you that on the first date? You'd be thinking, okay. So I, I literally was thinking in my head, I'll marry this guy. Like, I, I really did. I thought, you, what better person can you find? He saves children's lives for a living. I can't do better than that. You can't. I mean, what? Like, that one-liner, like, sticks with me just as much as this one-liner from Casper. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an Oscar-winning movie. It's not. Um, 
he looks at her. He used to be a ghost, Casper now he's a person. Looks at the girl. Yes, yeah. he used to be a ghost, now he's a person for like a limited amount of time. It's yeah. sad, Christina reaches there. And he looks at her and says, can I keep you? Boom. Buff. You don't like that? Buff. No. You don't like to be That's owned. too much cheese for me, and I love a, <laughs> uh, love a hefty cheese board, but that's way too much cheese for me. Maybe it's one of those movies where like, when you, you know, it stuck with you from childhood, but then when you watch it when you're growing up, you're like, Problematic. Yeah, okay. if somebody said that to me about bitch, you're crazy, I won't see you again. Uh, Don't well, say that to anyone, I promise you. I'm going to help you out. <laughs> Don't say it to anyone. It's cute for a movie. It's cute for a movie. Yeah. So, you managed to build up three brands, I believe, yeah. pretty much on your own. Yeah. Do you attribute that success to this thing that's instilled in children of immigrants where failure is not an option? Any immigrant families or people who have moved to the US, you know this all too well. You have two options when you come to this country or when you're born to this country of immigrant parents. You get to be a doctor or a lawyer, or if you're not doing as well as the doctor or lawyers, you can be an engineer as a backup, but your parents will hate you for it. But you get to at least have that as a backup. I was meant to be a psychologist, I, my, one of my siblings is, um, and so I, I was too weak to tell my mom, my dad passed away when I was younger, so it was just my mom, and I was too weak to tell her that I, 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 I don't want to do this, like I'm not super academic, I don't enjoy it, I want to be uh, in fashion. And so um, I, I signed up for uh, psychology, I went and started going to college, started my first year, and I was like, holy f- this is boring as f- and anyone who does psychology wonderful for you like congratulations I hope you love it but for me I need as you can tell I need like real stimulation I need to be able to do what the f- I want and so uh, I, I quit um, and then I signed up for fashion college instead and didn't tell my family and um, and and then I continued to like uh, pursue fashion I didn't quit that and then on my graduation, I was like, hey, mom, you coming to my graduation? Yeah, sure. You want to come ride with me? Yeah, sure. And then as we started to drive, we got close to the college. I was like, oh, tricky bitch. I'm not going to be a psychologist. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to be f-ing fabulous. I'm, <laughs> I'm graduating on a fashion degree today. Um, and it was really sweet. She just very quickly was a um, <laughs> And I was driving, so it was shocking. And then I thought, oh, that's it. And a couple more. Legit. Slapped the shit out of me. Um, And so I I said, listen, I've never let you down. And so I promise if you let me do something that is so against what boys in my culture do, I promise you I will be your most successful child. And that wasn't an arrogant comment. The reason why I said that was this. If you are going against the grain, in, a, in an immigrant family, you really have to prove yourself. Otherwise, you f*** it up for everyone else. Like, could you imagine if I f*** that up so royally and I end up on the poverty line? I would forever be the butt of the joke. Like, you can't pull a tan France. Like, that, so no, you can't do this other thing that you want to do. You don't get to be a creative person. So I really, it put so much pressure on me. And so I was so, so driven to make sure that no matter what, I did it and I did it well enough to make her proud and yeah thankfully i did i created three businesses they did really well 
Um, and then at uh, 33, I was selling my businesses and I was going to retire. And I actually retired. Um, and I was going to have my, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, and, uh, and what I was going to do was I was going to have children, uh, not somebody else's children. I was actually going to have my own. And, um, and instead, five days later, Netflix called and said, do you want to be on a show? And my answer was no. <laughs> and then your husband was like, you're going to say yes to that. Yeah. Actually, you've yeah. always been complaining that you don't have gay friends. This is how you're going to make them on this gay ass show. Yeah. That really was it. Truly went to meet gays, my new gays. <laughs> and I met them. And, uh, and they were actually legitimately, they were Bobby Caravo, Anthony, and Jonathan. And uh, before, this was first day or so, this was a three-day process. Um, the sh uh, the, they hadn't cast us. And by the second day, we had a text thread that was called, very arrogantly, the Fab Five. We thought, <laughs> no, but legitimately, we thought, even if we don't get the job, like, I know I'm going to be friends with these idiots. Like, these are my kind of idiots. Um, and then we all leave LA and... I get a call a few days later from Netflix saying, we are offering you the job. And I was like, oh, f I was just there to make friends. <laughs> I collected my gaze and I left. Um, and uh, and uh, they convinced me to, to do the job. And then I tried to quit every day. <laughs> about two and a half weeks um, and then finally I pulled the ultimate baller move about 11.30 at night we had just wrapped on episode two halfway through episode three and I'd, I didn't think I could do it and it was because I was so scared I was scared of many things I didn't want to be that brown gay guy on a major show like this it was really intimidating and so um, and then also I'd never done this before. I'd never done show business before. I'd never tried for show business before. This shit came out of nowhere. And that, it really is intimidating. When you are on a set with um, a 30-something crew, I, the first day I shot with Queer Eye, it was a solo scene. I had never done anything like it before. And I stood there, all these people were there, and they were like, okay, go, Tan. The f do you do? Like, how do you pretend like you're okay with this? Like, you don't see all these cameras and... Just remember to be yourself. Okay, how does a human stand? Like when, anyway. And, and so uh, two and a half weeks in, I, I texted my um, executive producer. We were all living in the same apartment building. And I texted him at about 11.30 at night and said, can I come and see you? I need to talk to you. Went down to his apartment building, got to his door. I was crying a little bit. And uh, he was like, are you okay? I was like, hey, I've got something to tell you go on. Um, I booked my flight home. I leave tomorrow morning. Um, I quit. I won't sue you if you don't sue me. And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, you think that I can't sue you? I was like, I am retired. You think I don't have life? I'm and he was like, whoa, 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 what the f is going on? And I was like, oh shit, wait, what? And he was like, okay, let me tell you why you should calm down. Like, please don't go. And the reason why I was quitting is this, because I'm a quitter. And then secondly, is because, <laughs> is because I really was scared. Um, 
Uh, the other boys, the other boys, I love the other boys, but they have their, their version of them, and they, they are exactly the same on the show, but they're just slightly more American. <laughs> Come for me all you want, you know it's a thing. You know it, you guys can turn it on better than anyone else in the world. Um, <laughs> You have Oprah, like, come on. And so, and so at the time, I was really nervous. And so I, I said, look, I can't do it. I can't do what the other four do. And the others all came from this world. They all have done TV before. They'd all auditioned for years and years and years. And so they, they knew it. They, they knew how to do this. And I was so scared thinking, I'm ruining the show. I'm ruining the show. And so I legit cried every couple of hours in the restroom. When you watch... Uh, season one like I've got puffy eyes the whole season like, I cried so hard all the time I'd cry so what I'd do is I'd film a scene and I'd be like oh, I just need to use the restroom real quick can you turn my mic off yeah sure woo woo like cry my heart out and then here's a trick jade roller roll the shit <laughs> jade roller go right back on set and you're good to go nobody ever figured it out and then um and so i was like I, I, I don't know if i can do it he convinced me i could he was like listen we hired you because you're nothing like the others so just please continue to be yourself and so i just do you know how jonathan always says who gave you permission he gave me permission to just be myself and then i was like oh i can't do this and so now i love being on the show now like it's the best thing in the world all these people are beyond glad you did not quit and that you stayed on the show because you're an amazing person. Thank you. Also, representation is important. Really is. But let me tell you, that is... Sorry, I cut you off. But what I'll say is, it's, you guys, I know that nobody's saying, oh, Tan, you represent us. I know they're not, but you feel that pressure, you really do, and it is actually really intimidating, and, and that is what was really scary at the start. When th there wasn't an openly gay uh, South Asian person on TV at that point, especially, well, maybe there was, but not on a scale like this. This was a fully global show. I was so jealous of the other boys, because the press would talk about Anthony Porofsky, blah, 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 blah. Bobby Burke, blah, 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 blah. Muslim immigrant, South Asian, tan France. The f where the f did that come from? And I knew it. I knew it was coming. And every day is since. It's always mentioned. Always. They never talk about the fact that Kramer's Christian. They never talk about the, the fact that, um, that Anthony's Polish and he's also Christian. Nobody else gets that. Always, always. South Asian, Muslim, tan France. That's a lot, that's a lot. And I know if you, if you don't come from a, a minority group, you, that may not sound like much, but that adds so much pressure. That means that what you say is not just what you're saying. When, I, when Anthony speaks, Anthony speaks as Anthony Provsky. When I speak, I speak as, oh, is that what South Asians think? No, that's not. That's what I think. I imagine there's some like activist burnout from being on the press circuit and being kind of tokenized in that way and just being like, oh, speak for this whole demographic. Yeah. And like you're saying, they get to be themselves and yeah. you have to represent this huge group of people. Yeah. Has that burden kind of lifted off of your shoulders or is that something you still feel? You know, I've said in the press enough, um, I told you I was stubborn and I've said in the press enough, um, I, I don't, I, I can't represent 
uh, a community. All I can do is be myself. I will give my own opinions. I will speak freely. I will be vis visible, but I'm not I'm not professing to represent anyone. I represent myself only. That's it. Another example of people just seeing you not as tan, but as Muslim are people at airports, specifically after 9-11. Yeah. You included a chapter in here about that whole thing. Um, yes. And you've been stopped 24 times, I think you said. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to write this book was because of this one chapter. It's called 9-11. But then when it came to writing the book, I was too scared to write this chapter. I was too scared to include this chapter. And then the book closed. And every day, every night, I struggled to sleep for a couple of weeks thinking, you're a f***ing phony. Like, you didn't include the one thing that you should have included because you have a platform like no one else in this community um, and you should be using it. And, but I was too scared to use it. And so a couple of weeks after the book closed, I called my publishers in panic saying, I need to add one more chapter. And they were like, it closed, like you, it's too late, it's going to the press. Like the press already had their, their versions of it. You only had, oh, actually you may have got, did you get the original copy with, without the chapter? I oh, had the original and then I had to get this one two days ago. Okay, for yes. the chapter, okay. Yeah, because it, did, it didn't include it because I was, uh, it was too late and I was too scared. And here's the reason why I was scared. Um, oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, here's the thing. When so I've been I've been coming to this country for more than half my life at this point, so regularly, and I'm stopped almost every time when I come to this country and I'm detained for a few hours where they will ask me the same bullshit questions every time. When was the last time you used heavy machinery? When was the last time you visited the Middle East? When was the last time you did this, did that? That they're asking nobody else unless they look like me. Uh, my, my legal name is Tanvir Safdar, which is a, which is a Muslim name. Um, anyway, and I took my husband's name when we got married. And, um, and the hard thing is this. When you, 9-11 uh, happened and I was 17 and every one of us who's over a certain age remembers where we are, when we're, where we were when 9-11 happened. I was just as terrified as anyone else is in this room. So were all of my people. And every time I'd come into America, you, see, you would see everywhere, never forget. And I, I totally get that notion, of course I get that. We should never forget the people who were the victims of 9-11. However, the longer, the longer this goes on, the longer that we are never forgetting, it means this. It means that as long as we are never forgetting, we are never forgetting that Muslims are the threat, brown people are the threat. And you, anybody who's not, uh, uh, from the Middle East or South Asia or Muslim we may not understand how this part feels but when you are when, when a terrorist act occurs or when you're worried about a terrorist act we are worried too we are scared too it's not just oh well the Muslims must be fine because it's the Muslims who are doing it no, we are just as terrified as everybody else. Those terrorists aren't discriminating. They're not saying, oh, Tan's in town. We shouldn't bomb that place. No, that's not it. Everybody perishes when those, when those terrorists attack. And the hardest part is, is that not only then are we, do we have the threat of terrorism as, as all of you guys, we are going through it every day on the street because 
the press has done enough to instill fear in every one of us that we are a problem. And what that means then is that from the age of 17 to now, those racist taunts we got changed immediately. No longer was it this one word, it's, it's, the, there's this horrible word that I'm not going to say, um, that they use, which is the, it's, 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 for us, it's as bad as the N-word. It's so shocking and hurtful and upsetting to hear. And so, no longer was it that word. The things that they would say on the street is, fucking terrorist, fucking raghead, get the fuck out of our country, why you don't belong in our country. That kind of shit. And every time you go on a plane, not anymore, because I have the luxury of being Tan France, but up until I was your version of Tan France, you go on a plane, somebody's shifty, they're worried that you're gonna cause a problem. We are just as scared as everybody else, but we have the added threat of the victims or the people who are worried then also treating us as terrorists. So not only are we scared of the terrorists, we are scared of everybody else attacking us because they are worried that we are terrorists also. So um, the chapter is for this reason only. I need people to start to understand and truly, truly see that terrorists are terrorists. Muslims are Muslim. We are just as scared as you. And we, have, and we have the added pressure of having to deal with that every, we have the added pressure of having to deal with that threat literally every day. Thank you for writing that chapter. Thank you for speaking on that today because I feel like it's something, we don't hear the Muslim perspective about 9-11 and I'm so grateful that you wrote that chapter. Thanks. I want to make it clear. I'm not saying we should forget. Please understand I'm not saying we should forget. I'm just saying that the longer that that is everywhere, the longer that we see, um, if you see something, say something, the longer we are gonna be treated as terrorists. So we got real deep, let's get real shallow. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> I have lightning round questions, then we're gonna get to the audience questions. We have 11 minutes left, we're gonna Whoa. do this. I yes. can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and then, um, you I'll know. fail, great. Yeah. First lightning round question. Are these audience questions? Not yet. Okay. This is something that I, I just want to put on you. It's, it's kind of going to be an albatross because it's going to be hard. Go. But I think you're up for the challenge. Go. So, growing up, certain millennials with taste played the Spice Girls with their friends. Yeah. And you had to assign people to each yes. thing. So, Fab Five, who's who, go. Bobby's baby. Um, uh, Jonathan's uh, scary spice. Um... Karamo is Sporty Spice, because he loves a tracksuit. He lives in a tracksuit. Um, who does that leave us? I'm posh. Obviously. Who's the other one? Anthony's Auntie's Ginger? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Auntie's Ginger, Auntie's Ginger. That makes complete sense, Auntie's Ginger. Boom. Yeah. You killed that. Yeah. I love you. So easy. Okay, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? NSYNC. All the way. How was Backstreet Boys? Okay, I like Backstreet Boys. But compared to NSYNC, NSYNC was the shit. They're both great. Um, <laughs> I do want it that way, but I also want you back. So like, whatever. I'll just have it all. First concert ever. <gasps> My first concert ever, I didn't know who it was. My friends took me. It was in Salt Lake City. And it was the Indigo Girls. <laughs> 
They didn't, they didn't make it to the UK, but my friends were going to a concert. They're like, do you want to go? Well, like, we're going to have a picnic. I was like, yeah, sure. I had no idea who these ladies were, but they were fantastic. You really are gay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, this is uh, controversial. It's been for decades. Yeah. The door of the Titanic. Could Jack have fit on it or not? She was such a selfish bitch. If that were me, I would say, Rob just, Rob, just f-ing lay on top of me, you dickhead. Like, who cares if there's no more space? Lay on me and then we'll... The f*** is wrong with her? Alternate ending. Maybe it'll be on, like, some DVD in, like, 20 years or something. Yeah. Okay, so let's take some audience questions because I've asked enough nosy ones. Doesn't say a name, but it says, Over the past few years, we have started to see more South Asian representation in the media. Mindy Kaling, Hasan Minaj, Priyanka Chopra, and you, Hart. What can we do to continue to increase that visibility? How do we avoid becoming the token brown person or a stereotype? Um, okay, I love this question. Who asked this question? Just give me a who. Yay, hi, sweetheart. Um, okay, I love this question. Let me, let me say this first. What is so nice about being uh, in a minority group in show business is that they're all so supportive. I love every one of them. We are all very sweet with each other. If something's going down, like we all are very nice to each other um, and we try and build each other up, which is beautiful. Um, uh, we don't have as much representation as we need, but what I like that most of us do is I, I do some scripted work now also, and we do this lovely thing now where we call each other out if we do something embarrassing. But, th- so, but by that I mean, we, we, uh, you will never see me play the part of a terrorist or a taxi driver or the waiter. Like, we do other shit too. There's other jobs we do. And so I think that's a step in the right direction is uh, maybe all of this. I know that a lot of people feel underrepresented and they feel like they're not getting enough jobs. So they'll take whatever job they get on a show. That's not the way we do this. We can be doctors and lawyers and all those things. And also fashion designers if we choose to be fabulous. Hit me with it. Next audience question. Did they give a name? No. Rude. I'm going to call you out anyway. What advice would you give to parents whose children are bullied for their perceived sexual orientation or race? Oi. I think every one of us has struggled with that at some point who's from a minority group. Just provide a home for them where you can act, where they will actually talk to you about it. Ask them questions regularly about what's going on in school. Provide a safe space for them to talk about anything, if they are, especially if they are a child who's uh, within the LGBTQ community. Um, ask, but feel free to ask them questions. Create the safest space physically possible. So even if shit's going down at school, which I pray it's not, at least it's somewhere at home where they feel like they can express themselves. Don't ask them to uncross their legs. Don't tell them that they can't put that nail varnish on. Don't put that, tell that girl that she can't play with GI Joes. Like, let them express themselves. At least there's a safe space at home. Beautifully said. Last audience question. Who is someone that you hope to meet one day and why? That's, no, I can't give one. Um, it's Adele. No, it's not just Adele. <laughs> okay, so before I, so when I got into this, that we got Queer Eye, I had like a longer list because I, I also had Adele, oh, she was at the very top, but I had a longer list because I thought, the sh- I honestly thought that the show was gonna go nowhere. <laughs> I thought a few girls would watch and a few gays would watch, and that's it. And so I was like, well, if ever I get to meet these few, then I've 
then I've really made it. <laughs> Uh, which is really sweet. I love that. I, I started writing a journal and it was such a sweet uh, uh, idea because we all, honestly, all of us boys, just we didn't think it was going to become what it became. And thankfully, we're blessed to have this incredible reaction and also from the showbiz community. And so I've met so many people that were on my list and they're just so lovely to us. Um, but I have like a hit list that were always at my top and they're still at the top. And I'm so close. Like, I'm so close. It's not Shawn Mendes. That's, uh, that, I mean, it's I mean, far, far, but there's not, he's not Shawn Mendes. Um, Adele's at my top because she's a fucking amazing, incredible. Like, just, uh, she's the best. Like, she's the best. Of course, she should be at the top of everyone's list, in my opinion. She's just like real, real. Um, Beyonce, duh. Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick Beyonce story. So we were at the GLAAD Awards recently. We were um, being honored with an award, um, the Fab Five, and Beyonce was performing. And so I went extra as fuck. Just look at my outfit that day. Like, I went so hard thinking, she's going to see me and when she sees me she's gonna say <gasps> Tan is that couture yes um, um, but uh, it was Jonathan's birthday so we went to the event and then we had to leave before Beyonce came out because Jonathan's birthday party had started and so we had to go. So my one chance so far to meet her, I had to leave because of that idiot. That's I see him every day. That is a terrible story. Wow. Yeah. But oh, you'll have another one. chance. Michelle Obama is my third. Yes. Well, hopefully it balanced out because Victoria Beckham slid into your DMs and you danced to Wanna Be with her and drag queens at some point. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Do you know, I, I, you know how you almost have fantasized at some point. Don't we all fantasize at some point about being famous one day, maybe? No? Am I the only one? I can't. Come on, shut up. I can't be the only one. Everyone, like, when you're a kid, like, when you're a kid, you think, oh, what if I was a pop star? Like, uh, yeah, anyway. F***ing liars. Um... <laughs> I thought we were going to tell the truth tonight, but clearly I'm the only one who's willing to. Um, and so I, uh, when you're a kid, you think, oh, what if I were, if I were famous, how, would, um, how did these famous people make friends? It's really simple. They slide into your DMs just like anyone else. Every, almost every day, legit. I, somebody will slide into my DM, I'm like... You won Oscars, bitch. Why are you talking to me? That makes no sense. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. And so one day, a few months ago, I was in England. I don't go to England very often anymore because I'm, I'm, I work mostly here. But I was going to England and uh, Victoria Beckham's team reached out and said, hey, we saw you in London. Uh, Victoria's having a party tonight. Will you come? No. Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm doing a f***ing face mask. Um... I do that every week, but I, it, 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 you know, we, we, we haven't got a wrinkle, we're fine, we'll take a week off. Um, and so, I was like, yeah, I'll be there, um, I'm already on my way. And, um, and uh, I walked into the party, saw her, um, and David Beckham came up and he was fucking lovely, like just so nice, so nice. Um, obviously I tried to pounce him and then security came. And I was like, are you trying to fuck David Beckham? I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, bitch, have you seen him? Anyway, and so then I saw Victoria 
And I saw a bunch of drag queens come out and they were dressed as the Spice Girls. Um, and then Wannabe came on. And I was like, holy shit, this is really weird that I'm watching a bunch of Spice Girls uh, drag queens dance to Wannabe in front of Victoria Beckham. And then Victoria joined in. And then, do you know what, do you remember the dance moves she used to do? <laughs> Just, it was, like it was, her hand was always like this. I think she had arthritis and it was always like the <laughs> early onset arthritis. And so she was dancing and she looked over and she went like this at me and I was like, oh bitch, say, you don't see me to say a word. I know exactly what you mean. And <laughs> my gay heart. And so finished the dance, finished the song, got into my car um, and I called my husband and I was like, holy I danced to a Spice Girls song with a f***ing Spice Girl. <laughs> Queer Eye has given me so much. <laughs> you are living the dream. Living and it's actually a dream for Victoria to meet you, I have to say. No, that was yes. not the case. But I love her so much and I really want to be a friend. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we're out of time. Ew. I know. So you have three projects coming up. If you could give an adjective for each, like one word, I know it's gonna be hard. Okay, so, Queer Eye is going to Japan. What's one word that could? I'm sorry, Emmanuel, hey, do me a favor. Go Four f words. yourself. I can't give you one word. Okay, I'm sorry, um, we're gonna be like five minutes late. Um, and I'm lying when I say five. Um, if you put money in a meter, you, may, you can leave and I won't call you out. Um, these four episodes are some of the most beautiful reality TV moments you have ever seen. And I, I know that sounds like a bold statement. Just wait till you see it. The, it just shows the power of what is possible when you send gays into the world. <laughs> Believe me when I say the gays are going to save the world. The gays are going to save the world. I'm not saying there's five, but the gays are going to save the fucking world. The straights, I love you. Oh, were you offended, straights? I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> or are you gays and you know it's your time? Great. Go on, gays, save the world. The time starts now. Oh, there's no time like the present. Look at that. God, am I their leader? I can say the gays are going to save the world and they leave and to get started? Yeah. For me, that's power. What could I do with this power? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> You're also going to be in a Charlie's Angels reboot with Kristen Stewart and other people? <laughs> no! 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 no. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. You made it seem very grand. I have a walk-on. Oh. <laughs> it counts. I have a walk-on part. Of, yeah, Charlie's Angels. They flew you out to, like, some other country. Istanbul. Yeah, Istanbul. Boom. So it counts. Yeah. I take something from one person to another. I might not even make it, who knows? But I do wink at the camera, so they probably will cut that. You also are gonna be co-hosting a competitive series for Netflix with Alexa Chung. Yes, okay. Next in Fashion. I am so excited about this. Okay, so, um, I'm not meant to say this. I've very, very clearly been told by Netflix, do not articulate it this way, but I don't know how else to articulate it, so until they send me clear messaging on what I can say, I'm gonna say this. <laughs> Do you watch Project Runway? Or have you watched Project Runway? 
I love Project Runway. This is not like Project Runway. I, it's a competition show, it's a global fashion competition show, so it's a little different, um, where we take people, designers from all over the world, um, and they are actually working ateliers in uh, fashion houses, so they, the, the work they produce is like you have never seen on a competition show before. It's f***ing epic. It is f***ing epic. I don't cry a lot, other than the first few weeks of Queer Eye. I don't cry a lot. <laughs> I cried so many times watching these creations walk down the runway. If you like Project Runway, you are going to f***ing love this. Love it. It's incredible. And do any of you watch The Great British Baking Show? Do you know what that is? Okay. The thing I love about Next... So the show's called Next in Fashion. And I'm obsessed with The Great British Baking Show. And legit, I promise you, I'm not just making this shit up. It's kind of got a vibe of The Great British Baking Show. It's very sweet because so it's made by a british company and it has two british hosts so our competition shows are a little different from american uh, competition shows like our shows are like oh my gosh can i help you and then on an american show it's like i'm gonna take you down bitch um and so it's got like more of the british like just let me help you and it's beautiful it's beautiful I hope you work in the phrase soggy bottom. Did I say that right? Wait, soggy bottom. Great British Bake Off, they say soggy bottom. Oh, soggy. Oh my God, I didn't know what you were saying. My accent's so bad. I thought you, honestly, I thought you were doing Japanese. I was like, oh my gosh, why would I? You're like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Um, Yeah, soggy bottom. Soggy bottom. I was was the only soggy bottom on that show. That's actually a lie. That's not true at all. You saw the eyebrow raise, we know what that means. Okay, so it's in forum tradition to ask all of our speakers this final question. Go. What is your 60 second idea to change the world? No pressure. I already told you, um, I don't need 60 seconds. Send the gays out to represent country and we'll save the world. Let's go. Thank you all for being here. Wait, let me add to that. Wait. Wait! I need to add to that. Send out anyone within the LGBTQ community and also start treating us like equals and then we'll save the world. Maybe treat us with respect first. Yes. And that's it, folks! Thank you so much, Tan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you.